You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. You, you get these like checkpoints in your life, like 20 was one, 21, 30, 40, and you know, now I'm above 50. You, you kind of like, okay, where was I and where am I and where do I want to be? And what have I done? And what have I contributed to the world? And what is my legacy? And you start thinking about all these things. That was Ronnie Madra. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. How are you liking this extra episode and Saturday drop? Let me know. Hit me up on Insta. DM me. Today on the podcast, I sync up with Ronnie Madra, founder of Eros, an all-new kind of hearing protection and noise filter paired with effortless design and engineering expertise. Over the past two decades, Ronnie Madra has made a name for himself by creating memorable nightlife experiences, first as a DJ and event producer, and later as a sound system consultant and the co-founder of several world-class nightclubs. Somewhere along the way, Ronnie developed tinnitus, a constant ringing in his ears and hearing loss. His 20 years spent in loud environments had taken their toll. Enter Eros, Ronnie's newest entrepreneurial venture. Today on the podcast, Ronnie dials me in to the inspiration and ideation behind Eros. We talk about his entrepreneurial journey thus far, some great books he has read and lessons he is taking away from this experience. Ronnie also shares what's next for Eros in 2023 and the exercise and wellness fueling him for success. Before we dive into our conversation, shout out to my sponsors at Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. It transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed nutrition recommendations you need to optimize your health. Get 20% off today at insidetracker.com slash Marnie on the Move. Now, on to my conversation with Ronnie Madra. So great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for hopping on today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Tell me about Eros and where the idea for your company began. You know, it started with a girl in a uh-huh. bar. <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, true, actually, even though we're laughing. Uh, it is true, um, kind of. But I think, you know, ideas just start like this, you know what I mean? You you have a moment and it, it's like the aha moment when you go, oh, okay, there's an idea, but... There's so many ideas that pop into one's mind. And, you know, we can all say, hey, we had an idea today and 
everything is all dependent on how you execute it. So um, while I was in my club many years ago, seems like an eternity um, ago, um, I was at a bar talking to a young lady and I was wearing a, a custom made musician earplug clear. I was trying to hide it. And she goes, uh, are you wearing a hearing aid? <laughs> and I'm like, me, I'm, I'm too cool for school. You know, I don't wear hearing aids. I'm, you know, I'm in communication with my staff and security. And if you don't say nice things to me from here on in, I'll have you escorted out, you know, it's something yeah. clever, but that kind of like made me feel a bit like, you know, insecure and, you know, and, and kind of like, you know, okay, this is not cool. You know, why am I, and, and I have to be here and be cool and be a host and be this guy. And so I basically uh, called my audiologist and I said, Hey, can you make them look like Beats by Dre? Like, you know, cooler, a little bit more, you know, sexier. And he's like, well, we can try, but you have to come in and you'll have to do a, another silicone impression of your ear canal. And then, we have to send it to a lab and it's going to cost you 300 bucks. And I'm like, this is so not what I want right now. And this is not easy and it's not sustainable and it's very costly. Yeah. But I did put the, um, you know, the black silicone with the red filter in it. And it did look like a Beats by Dre in-ear wearable uh, headphone. And so, you know, but I kept losing these, um, these earplugs, these musician earplugs. And I was like, I just didn't really um feel that it really represented my personal sense of style and my right. desire to protect my hearing at the same time and and then the idea just evolved you know as my tinnitus kept acting up and then i i would forget forget them at home or leave them in a pocket or i'd drop it and you know it was just like you know mix matching different uh you know 300 dollar mm -hmm. you know uh, musician earplugs, it was not, uh, you know, it's for the, you know. It wasn't efficient anymore. <laughs> Let's rewind. I mean, you have a long career in the nightlife and hospitality business. You spent a lot of time at night in bars around loud music, and you have tinnitus, which is why you were wearing these earplugs in the first place. And so, like, when did when did you first realize that you had tinnitus, and and how long were you working in the nightlife business? I've been working in nightlife for about thirty years, mm -hmm. um, in every aspect of it, from DJ, doorman, bartender, promoter, you know, everything. <laughs> um, and you know, when I realized actually that I had it in early, uh, well, in my late thirties, yeah. but I did not know about it. And then when it got critical in my early 40s, I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And even then, you know, it's a very clunky process of like picking yourself up out of bed at 2 p.m. in the afternoon when you've been out all night and, and you know, desensitizing yourself just so you can sleep. Um, and then, you know, going to a audiology center or a cochlear center uh, to get your hearing checked. And, you know, the process is quite uh, tedious and, you know, long and, you know, it's not really fun. And so, you know, that process was where I kind of started developing the idea. And it's like, you know, I need to understand what's going on here. And then when I saw my doctor, you know, he said, hey, you know, if you don't stop going out and stop listening to music in, in these loud environments or going to concerts or with your in-ear, you know, Beats by Dre, you know, you're going to go deaf before you're 50. Mm 
And I was like, whoa. And I go, this is my livelihood, you know? And it's not only my livelihood, but it's other people, uh, people's livelihood that I'm actually responsible for. And so I need to be functional. I need to be in these environments, you know, six nights a week minimum. And, you know, it's my, it's my world, you know? So it was quite um, the shock to the system when I was um, diagnosed with tinnitus. And, and, and it's really a big problem that most people don't address. They don't yeah, talk is, about What are the signs? Like, what does it feel like? How do you, how did you even sort of start to think that maybe you had it and then go to the doctor? Well, you know, when you go to a concert and you get that ringing in the ears when you leave and it's not as loud and it goes away, it dissipates. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like, you know, that's your, your hearing deteriorating, basically. That's like a type of sound and frequency you're, you're not going to be able to hear. And I do believe that at, at the end of the day that, you know, we are creatures of habit and, you know, we love our quality of life, which is going out and socializing, listening to music and being in loud environments and interacting with other people. Uh, I think that that is the the sign that if you're not recognizing what's going on, understand the the long term effects, then mm-hmm. you're just going to keep doing what you're doing. But when that sound becomes less of like a a minute or a, or ten second sound in your head, when it becomes a constant ringing, then yeah. you start to say, okay, there's something wrong here. Yeah. So that's when I realize, oh, okay. I have a, a ringing in my ear, in my head that only I can hear. And it's when my stress level goes up, it gets louder. So, yeah. and it I, comes out of nowhere sometimes, you know. I so, feel like the louder. ears are so overlooked. And whenever I hear someone tell me like they have an ear infection or they feel like they're getting vertigo or like their ears are affected, it's one of the most painful, uncomfortable things to have to experience. Yeah, your balance and equilibrium is all from here. You know, your perception yeah. of where you, you know, you can close your eyes and I can snap my fingers and you'll know exactly where that sound is coming from. And we take that that sense that we have for granted because it's it's not a it's not usually an immediate problem. But yeah. in today's day and age, it is an immediate problem and it is the the long term effects is quite, you know, it's it's life changing and not for the better, right? Yeah. You know, you're you're affected by not being able to communicate properly, by you know, because you have to receive information, yep. process, and relay it. You know, and that's and the big guy. Uh, so that was kind of like the idea of how you started the company. Really, I mean, it was like you had this health experience, and then you started designing your own ear solution, and then Eros was born. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm a I'm a perfectionist, so you know, I really wanted to have the best in class in a room yeah. that would come up with it with a a design, an engineering design, not just you know the utility and the outside of what it looks like, but you know, there had to be a whole brand narrative around it, which I love storytelling. Yes, and you know, I I kind of went out of my comfort zone, <laughs> which is something I enjoy doing. You know, maybe a little too much. Um, but it was fun, you know, the journey of a first having people say, Hey, you should stick to nightlife because that's what you're great at doing. And, you know, just do that. But don't, why are you going to go into the the tech hardware CPG business? You know what I mean? And why do you want to do this? I'm like, well, because I do feel that this is not just my problem. I'm not alone because I had major depression 
when this ringing wouldn't go away, you know, I, I was like literally trying to stay out of nightclubs. And then when I would not drink and not, you know, desensitize myself and inebriate myself, I was like literally in my bed with my eyes wide open and I could keep hearing this sound, which is oh deafening. I like, yeah, I have noise around me now because it's the only thing that or having distractions to basically you know just just dumb it down you know just to get rid of it just to not pay attention to it and that's that's what the big problem is right most people don't know how to you know switch their brain thinking uh, away from it because it's there it's never i still have it but i've learned to cope with it and to manage it rather than hey freak out and then go deeper into you know it's alcoholism yeah. all sorts of stuff yeah when did you launch your first official product we launched it in we went to market in 2018 but we basically started the company in 2015 right and that was a hardcore 3 years of r&d which you know, going to plastic conventions, medical uh, conventions, device conventions, going to MIT to meet some of the best acousticians and vibration engineers to discuss, you know, the placement and sound and materials and how to build. And then speaking to one of the top audiologists in, in the world, um, his name is Wayne Stab out of Utah, you know, who's like a genius, you know, audiologist and very outspoken about, you know, everything hearing you know yeah. and uh you know just put together a really great team of um industrial designers um and and so put them in a room and said hey guys you know i want to build this product but you know easier said than done right and finding a manufacturer that will build a product uh, like this um before you know they're all looking at the biggest companies like procter and gamble and johnson and johnson I found one of the top medical device manufacturer in the U.S., which uh, they were really like, you know, kind of impressed that I was willing to do this with them. Yeah. And you know, we, we we had big aspirations in the beginning and not knowing what the hell we were doing and said, hey, we want the best of the best. And we need to make sure that this thing has real pedigree. And it's not just it's not an earplug. And we don't like that word. And okay. we just want to build as unique and different. And that will fit into you know, the times that will be for the times and for the future. So when you started the company, did you, obviously you went out to your network of friends and people you worked with in the nightlife industry, and this was really game changing for a lot of people. It was, I mean, the support I got from my colleagues and even competitors, you know, was really amazing. And it, it was, um, I think it was the that sense of purpose of building this company and invested my own money in the beginning and had a couple of friends who were really smart and, you know, have scaled their respective companies and businesses, had a, a strong business mind. And, you know, they guided me through the process. And while I was working, you know, Monday through Thursday, every morning in an office with, with a team, you know, building this company, I was working also at night. And mm -hmm. so this two this dual life you know of tech you know multi-hyphenate yeah, right <laughs> um i never coined it like that but i'll take it uh but you know it was it was for me it was like flexing another part of my 
my brain muscles that I've never, you know, had never thought was there or I could have. Yeah. So it was quite the, the you know, rewarding uh, journey for me because, you know, the purpose that I got and I felt doing it and building it kind of helped my issue. It really yeah. made me feel that, hey, every time that ringing, I hear it, it's just a reminder that I'm on the right track and I'm building something that will help uh, future generations. So that was that was the I think the moment that really put me in a place where I go, OK, bring whatever, you know, you want, you know, my way, you know, tinnitus or, you know, put a bomb in my ear. I will still be OK, you know, so. Who is your audience right now? Like beyond like the nightlife industry, the nightclub industry? That's a great question because, you know, I always like to talk about the roadmap and what, what else we're building. So, you know, again, you know, this is all, all this I learned very much on the job. So right. I had to start with a product that I know I can lend value to mm-hmm. and scale in my, the industry that I under. I understand that I have access to. Mm-hmm. So the first product, Eroswan, was geared towards music lovers. So anyone that goes to a concert, a festival, a nightclub, a loud bar, live in a big city, travel to a beach club, to a you know, a Vegas beach club or Tao beach club, wherever you go, loud music, any environment that exceeds 85 decibels of sound where people are socializing, those individuals should be wearing this product. It is a life, uh, you know, it, it'll save your life. Are Trust Jason me. and Noah wearing it? Uh, they have, yeah, they have. They have worn it, yeah. And and Jason Strauss is very supportive and Noah Tepperberg is very supportive. Because you mentioned Tao, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love those guys, yeah. Well, they, they own everything, so yeah. that's where it should be, right? Yeah, they um, should be using it. Exactly. And so... You know, we're we've been trying, you know, our best not to pigeonhole ourselves into one industry. Mm. And when you look at the second product, which we launched during F1 in Miami back in May, it was basically like another product that was geared towards motorsports. Uh, people go to like Soul Cycle, which is very loud. Barry's mm. uh, Boot Camp, very loud. Rumble, boxing, very loud. Um, you know, all these like workout classes are just like you feel like you're in a nightclub. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just like there, there's a DJ playing great music. because you're also working out, but it's like the repercussions of if you're doing that every day is like deteriorating your hearing. Well, you go to work out so you can like, you know, maintain your health and your right. physicality. And part of being athletic and having athleticism is having balance and equilibrium, right? right. These things are part of it. And that is here. So if you're like, going to work out, your dopamine level is high, your adrenaline is pumping, you're not really grasping the severity of damage that's being done. Like when you're out drinking and, you know, partying and dancing, you're not going to know that you banged your knee until the next day and there's a bruise on your, you know, like it has happened to everyone. We all know that. Also great for the teachers and the instructors, right? Because they have to do that as their job. They're teaching like 30 classes a week. Yeah, exactly. And we, we've been there big time with the, the Soul Cycle, all their IDT uh, riders. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen, the the industries like you mentioned, like military applications, uh, aviation, yeah. airspace, um, you know, people who have surfer ears. There's so many. Like I have friends who are surfers mm-hmm. are like, dude, my earring, my hip screwed because you know i don't have a proper product i could put in my ear 
and I can just like go surfing and not have to worry about surfer ears, you know, and that's that's the thing I've been hearing a lot more lately. What are surfer so ears? I've never heard of that. I think because of the crashing of the wave and water gets inside and yeah. it, it just stays, you know, I'm, I'm still learning about yeah. it. It's not something that we were thinking about until most recently, mm. but uh, the third product that we're launching after Eero Sport is going to be uh, Eros, which is for people who fly that have the popping in the ears. Mm-hmm. And basically they are um, the discomfort of, you know, having something in the ear that is not comfortable that you can sleep on when you're in, you know, whether you're in first or business. So we're all experiencing the same level of um, discomfort, no matter what class you're in mm-hmm. when we're flying. So that's our third product that's in R&D right now. And then the fourth is for military, which is for high impact, you know, very, very intense training sessions. And also, you know, when you're on duty or you're in this uh, critical situation uh, where there's rapid fires and explosions, uh, we're building another product for that, which is going to be quite amazing for the DOD, um, which is going to be a game changer. Yeah, that this is a game changer. It's amazing. I'm and my my old doorman had tinnitus and he used to have to wear like these kind of headphones to like block out noise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard like horror stories about overall health and your ears. And even I, you know, as a podcaster, you know, I have a very an awareness around it that like, you know, if I'm producing, if I'm editing or doing audio engineering, it takes time to do that. And I don't wear my headphones for like many of the times that I'm doing the engineering until the last time that I have to like to hear certain levels but I don't even run with inner earplugs like I always run with over the ear things I think on some level I've always known that it's like really bad yeah I think the leading cause of hearing damage is believe it or not is in-ear wearable technology because it goes inside the ear and basically as opposed to over the ears where you can actually um, con- control what's happening. Like it's almost like a, uh, a monitor for your ears, right? Like you're, you can gauge the, the volume better uh, versus competing with the outside surrounding sound yeah. when it's wearable versus uh, over the, over the ear um, noise cancellation. Now, you know, the level that you're at and you're not competing with the outside sounds. Right. So this, this is the, and this was from uh, William Shapiro at the NYU Cochlear Center. He's very well published and he, he's very outspoken about hearing health and, you know, just all the various things that we take for granted. And he's like, he just nails it. So he's a great partner, supportive. Interesting. And so you, so you have two products right now, right? And you're launching mm-hmm. a third one in 2023. Yeah. In uh, Q2 of 2023. That's amazing. And now, what is it like when you wear Eros? Can you, you can still hear? You can still hear. That's the whole, uh, I guess that's part of the, the trick, right? Most, yeah, people wear it like, oh, I, I don't feel like it's blocking. Well, it's not supposed to block. Yeah. It's supposed to protect you, but still keep you engaged in the environment that you're, you're there for. So Eros 1 was basically, I want to still hear all the music. I want to hear all, I want to be in the vibe. I want to have the full spectrum of sound frequencies. But I still want to protect my hearing, right? So I want to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm still doing something. And I think, you know, getting the user to get closer to the experience is part of the, you know, is part of the, the plan, right? We, we didn't want it to be like, oh, let's just poke something in there and then, you know, let's just, just zone out. Why right. go to a concert or go to a social environment 
if you can't hear the nuances of a conversation or a song or, you know, a track or a riff, you know what I mean? You need to be able to really, you go out to be entertained. You spend top dollar, then, you know, you should be able to get your experience. Hero Sport has more of a higher protection, DB protection, okay. because you're really not there to listen to music necessarily, but you're there just to visually see this game or this sport or right. be a this zone out into your soul cycle class and it's just everyone's just like screaming and going and going right yeah so every product will have a certain utility mm-hmm. and a usage that's gonna be you know specifically geared towards that industry and so it's like and based the, on the decibels the decibels yeah and the need of the user right yeah. so we know jet engines can get up to 130 150 db um you know sometimes you know people who are you know, and I think the, the, the biggest challenge mm-hmm. is obviously for any product is to maintain a design integrity. Mm-hmm. And what we have is uh, patents on our design, which, you know, yes. if anyone wants to take it, you know, it's going to be, you know, hell, you know, won't take my patents. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but we're very protected from the design and utility aspect of the product. So our goal is to constantly build new uh, utilities into our existing design and then build other, uh, you know, design patents that's going to be, you know, geared towards the various industries, whether it's people who swim or go surfing or whether, you know, individuals who, who are in service uh, for the country, for their country, you know, whether the U.S. military, uh, you know, there's always all these different kind of uh, approaches that we can have, but we want to take steps and owning the hearing protection market this yes. is not about you know we don't want to be an in-air wearable technology company we want to stay in our lane and we want to really own and that's the that's the plan so there's no data or app that you're thinking about to like give you like what like would there ever be an app where like you can see what your ears are doing like is that ridiculous yeah I mean, oh, okay it's not ridiculous at all actually we do have a very rudimentary kind of like it was more like a party trick when i first uh we first developed the product um you know we had it like it was like a decibel meter yeah and it was cool and funky and it'll tell you the decibels in the club and then it'll zap it and say oh you're at one oak at two o'clock in the morning and it's 130 db hey you can only remain here for another 30 minutes until it becomes hearing and this exists on the app store right now. And But it, we didn't really put much effort into to yeah. app technology because we wanted to really own the hardware and really focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, down the road, you know, once we're really scaling and we're, we're in a much better, you know, bigger, better place yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, multiple countries around the world, then I believe uh, software will definitely be in our, you know, in our future. Um, we're still toying with it. We're still testing a couple ideas here and there, but I don't want to give any trade secrets. No, um, but I think have- like if I could see the decibels on my Garmin, like while, or my Apple Watch while I'm out at an event, and know like you got to put the Eros in now, um, you know, or this is the environment. I mean, that's pretty cool. Just yeah, I mean, look, Apple is doing it. Apple is like they've built. Um, software and into every you know yeah. facet of their of their company to really identify problems and 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 for the most part address them. Yeah. But they have identified loud environments because your Apple Watch is going to like buzz when oh. you're in a loud. Even if you are on a street, you hear a jackhammer or, or a siren, it'll buzz. 
they'll tell you, oh, this is not safe. Okay, what what is next, Apple? What yeah. have you done in terms of uh, putting together a solution in the Apple Store, like an Eros, right? Right. And say, hey, we want this to be our go-to product because we're identifying problems, but here's a solution. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the 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 hearing aid space is incredibly lucrative for those companies because their like goal is to make sure that people have hearing damage. My goal is to make sure they don't. Right. Here in life, right? Not yeah. in earlier in life, much later. Because it will happen as we get older. But, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing that envelope. So it sounds like you are having so much fun creating this company. It was a totally new industry for you. How do you feel? And what are some lessons that you've learned along the way? I mean, yes, fun. There, there are fun moments. And then there's moments when you're like, you're chewing glass, I like to say. You are, you know, it's it's not for the faint of heart starting a company from scratch and right. and not... And it's a lot harder if you don't have resources or a network or even a, a foot into an industry that you know you can have a bit of like a, a chance of success, you mm. know. It takes a lot of irrational thinking and, uh, you know, also stubbornness and, you know, just laser focus as well, you know. And I think, you know, I mean, there's so many things that goes into it. I'm sure you've had many conversations with people when they're like, I don't know what to think sometimes, you know, I'll wake up and like, okay, this is not happening. Right. And then to you, you're, you're kind of like your worst critic, you know, you wake up every day and you, you punch yourself, you beat yourself up and you know, you have little wins and you have some big wins and you have little losses and then you have some big losses and then you just kind of like throw them all into a pot. And it's like a, it's like a, a goulash, you know, of yeah. emotion. And, and so I, I like to think that, you know, and for, for, you know, the lessons, right? I think this was one of them I've learned. The lessons is that, you know, make the mistakes um, and, and pivot from them very quickly. Um, surround yourself with very, very smart people. Like, you know, um, Quentin Tarantino said this in a, in, a, in a talk. He said, you know, I'm a director. I... I have a vision, you know, I don't execute the vision, but I have it. And I can tell people that are the best costume designers, the best set designers, the best, you know, writers, all, all this stuff. Right. But I have a vision. You have to be able to communicate your vision. Yeah. And if you can't communicate your vision, then it's illusion. Right. Yes. Right. Vision without execution is illusion. Yeah. And I've heard these things. And throughout your journey, you have to seek knowledge and look at other people that have done it and scale it. I've read several books that really, really changed my way of thinking on not only who I am as a person, not only validated what I've done all my life, but what I was about to embark on. I think that is where the real learning and the real yeah. journey begins, you know, so... Um, I'm happy to tell you what those books yeah, are. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what are the books that you read? Well, the first book was Steve Jobs' autobiography. That was like, wow, that was mind-blowing to me. This, I read this before I started the company because I was seeking to do something that I can really thrust myself into, and I didn't know what it was. And this was like right before I turned 40 because you're like, you, you get these like checkpoints in your life 
like 20 was one, 21, 30, 40, and you know, now I'm about 50. You, you kind of like, okay, where was I and where am I and where do I want to be? And what have I done? And what have I contributed to the world? And what is my legacy? And you start thinking about all these things, you know, and I, I start, you know, looking and I'm a very visual person. Mm-hmm. I remember I watched a Pixar story uh, on, on uh, cable about, you know, how this, how it all happened with art and animation and graphics and technology and movies and Steve Jobs in there yeah. and John Lasseter. Like, wait, I love animation and I'm a big, you know, um, animation freak and my fiance likes to call it cartoons, but I said, don't call no, it No, it's cartoons. animation. It's animation. And so, you know, I said, okay, I need to know about this guy. And, you know, um, then he passed away. And then I read the book and I go, oh my God, this guy is like... He was such, like, next level, like, all the chips were against him. But he was really, like, I would say, like me sometimes, you know, I'm like that, like, irrational. And maybe I wasn't such an asshole. Maybe, maybe I was. But, you know, he had this kind of, like, this force field around him. And then, you know, if you weren't in that force field, then you were out of it. Yeah. And I read that book so with intention. And and I would, like underlying stuff you know and start marking oh wow and it, it kind of got me off my ass and said you know what you've been in nightlife for way too long you need to do something else and and then when my tinnitus start acting up i go oh this is my this is my calling that's so and, interesting i love that yeah and then as the journey continued i started to read more books and you know and uh i think the i will i will leave off the middle you know which is kind of you know so many different things happen between reading Steve Jobs' book, Building His Company. But last year, actually, two, before the pandemic, I read Simon Sinek's uh, Start With Why. Okay. And it touched on, you know, why do you do what you do, you know? And and do you love it? And, and are you part of something greater than yourself? And, you know, when, when he used, like, computers versus Apple. Yeah. And talked about Martha Luther King Jr. He's like, I have a dream. It wasn't like he had a dream. Everyone had a dream yeah. that was segregated or, you know, marginalized and, you know, African-Americans and Africans in general, right? He, this is part of like the, the conversation. And I read it and listened to it at the same time on, on, uh, on, uh, on, on audiobooks. Yeah. And it was kind of like, I think it just stuck more in my head. And I applied that. I said, wait, I have my why. It was a reason why I started working in nightlife. And the reason why it was so one oak was so successful was because everyone that was part of it, from the top to the bottom to around the middle, everyone wanted to be what? One of a kind. And that's what one oak meant. Yeah. And I think we have this thing about individuality. But you know, don't want to go off the track here, but you no, know, these books really, yeah. really helped. And I think also speaking to very smart people, you know, like have done incredible things in their life. Like I met, you know, Jim Clark, you know, the guy who started Netscape. And I met all these incredible people. And instead of like having shots with them and taking them to parties and hosting them, I start having lunches with them and spending more time with them and asking them questions like, hey, how did you do it? And, you know, what was your, you know, where was your pain points? And, you know, so that really validated all the things I was feeling. It supported me through the, the rough times. And, and I think that is where... I think I was very fortunate, right? And I think yeah. 
what I'm going to do now is pay that forward. Yeah. That's that's my goal because there's so much there to unpack and unravel and, and share that is like we can we need about 10 more podcasts. To do well, what other so tell me what other books you, did you read? I read uh <laughs> I like um Agent Zigzag, okay. which was like a great book, and they're trying to make a movie about it, about a triple agent and, you know, how he got through the whole war. Oh, wow. Uh, being, you know, just clever. And, you know, that was something that I had to, try, you know, adapt myself because I come from a place where, you know, this wasn't my... Yeah, I mean... I don't know my destiny, but, you know, it happened that way because I was able to ingratiate myself and and fit myself in different environments, you know? So that was a fun book. I mean, it was a, it's like a totally different career for you, right? Like going from nightlife to creating Eros and this product, but at the same time, it it's like, it was organic because it was something you needed and then you realized everyone needed. So it's a lot like the Simon Sinek book. Yeah, I mean, it's like, once you start to feel that the pressure of you know, everything is against you. Yeah, and, and that's a lot because people are like, yourself. what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, you need to prove yourself and yeah. and you don't have that background or that education or that kind of, you know, it, the, the learning process can be very, very intense and it can be very uh, trying on your psyche. Yeah. I think you, you, you have to like really bootstrap and, you know, you know, tighten up your belt and, and just like, you know, get into it and say, okay, how badly do I want this? Yeah. And how badly do I want to prove others wrong? Right. I think that was part of the, the competitive side of my, you know, of my personality that came out. Like, you know what? I'm a competitor, you know, and you, when you're in nightlife and hospitality and you build the number one brand in the world in the nightclub business, mm -hmm. you have to compare, but it's not just a one man show. Right. You have to make sure you're putting all the various pieces, the right music, the right design, the right, right. you know, event, the right people, the partners, the the everything has to be like there. And and maintaining it is is easier said than done. Yes. And outdoing yourself, you know. And like one person said to me that uh my mentor uh in the nightclub business, I think I mentioned his name to you before, uh Eric Good, he said, You're only as good as your last party yeah <laughs> that was you know so you always have to outdo yourself you know which is again Hard. easier done yeah and Very you have to make it feel like you have to make what you do look like it's easy but it's not you know and I think that's like a myth that you know if you've never started a business then you don't know what you know we're talking about right like it's like people see a business and they're like wow that's such a great idea like it just like you discover something and you think like it just started, but meanwhile, behind the scenes, it's been happening for 10 years. It's always like that. Seem so easy or so amazing, like the work that goes into behind the scenes. Someone came up to me the other day and said, hey, um, you know, I want to I want to I want to build my own um, nightclub. <laughs> uh, like, Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> like run away. Run. Uh, Stay in school, you know, yeah. get an education. You know, I mean, what, what is this thing? You know, I mean, we always, when we're young, to look at the shiny things and, yeah. you know, you know, and I, and I, that was me, you know, and, you know, there was a lot of hard lessons along the way, you know. I, I always say I have, I had, I had three startups in my life. Two were very successful. One, we're not sure yet, but, you know, we're going to work really hard. You know, one was, I was born and that was my, that was it, right? Yeah. And then 
it, then the second was the nightclub business, yeah. right? It took 20 years. It took a long time to get to that point. Where you did work. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. All the various things that happened, all the all the clubs and the, the, the highs and the lows and the failures, you know, they all played a part into getting to that one pinnacle like product, right? If you want to call it that. Yeah. That was like, wow, we were onto something. And all the lessons before is what shaped all of us that got involved with this project, that built it and scaled it, was really our own individual journeys that came together at this perfect uh, moment, you know, yeah. where it all happened in uh, 2000, late 2007, 2000, early 2008, in the middle of a recession, right? Yeah. As it started. So I think there's, there's something to be said about the, that journey. And I think Eros is, you know, it's it's my thing that really just I think I've been preparing myself unbeknownst to my own, you know, yeah, you know, my own self that this was what I was working towards for a very long time. So now what are you reading any books right now that are like where you're at or where you're going kind of thing? Um, hmm. I'm reading a great book, actually, um, which is um, it's about where I'm from. <laughs> Uh, during the pandemic, you know, I think we all kind of gained a little bit more perspective or we wanted more perspective and we wanted to know ourselves better and maybe we didn't like ourselves so much and maybe we loved ourselves way too much. But I want to know how the hell did I get get here? How, what, what, where did I come from? And I started digging into the past and I'm reading a great book called The Cold War, The U.S. Cold War in British Guyana which is the country I was born in and the, the various movements and things that happened to get Indians and Africans and Chinese and Portuguese to this part of the world on this little like coastal country called Guyana, the yeah. only speaking country in South America. And how did I get there? And then how did I end up here in the U S and how did I end up here talking to you? And so I kept, you know, you know, when things start going really great in my life and I was privileged to be in these amazing experiences, mm -hmm. I started, I would always walk away from these moments and by myself and find a quiet corner and take a deep breath and go, wow, you are here. Yeah. And I've done that, like, I would say hundreds of times in various parts of the world in these amazing experiences with amazing people. And I would just stop myself and go, wait. Where you come from? Okay, that's kind of kind of cloudy. Oh, where you are? And like, wow, you should be very grateful because. So this book really kind of, um, you know, it it kind of I, I carry it around every day. I, this is my yeah. second time reading. It's called the U.S. Intervention into British Guyana: A Cold War Story, mm -hmm. and it's brilliant. You know, and that's amazing. So your parents are from Guyana, and they came here with you, or you you were born there. Yeah, we were, I was born in Guyana. Um, my parents were born in Guyana, their parents. And, um, oh, wow. you know, we, we came as indentured servants on British ships mm -hmm. um, after, after the Africans who came as slaves to mine and cultivate and, you know, pillage the country, right? As the British Navy, you know, they were really they were funny people, those Brits back in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so we had to leave our culture like the Africans did from Southwest Africa and the Indians from Calcutta and 
all the various parts of South India. And then, you know, and then you had the Chinese as well who came, uh, who didn't come. They were forced into slavery and hard labor. And we were all there in this mosh pit just trying to figure it out, you know. So, so the history of Guyana is quite fascinating, which, you know, most people from Guyana, you know, it's the, arguably one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere. Well, not until recently, they just discovered oil. So that's, a, that's another story. I think that the, for me, it was important to understand the, the social, economic, political, uh, you know, humanitarian things that were going on that were really, you know, that positioned us to where we are today and why a lot of people from Guyana left that country for better lives elsewhere. Yeah. There are more people out of Guyana than there is in Guyana. Right, like most countries that are suffering from war or famine or, you know, all sorts of like, you know, oppression. Yeah. You know, there, you know, like there's more people outside of Lebanon in Brazil. Right. You know, there are more, yes. you know, there's more people, you know, it's just it's happening right all over the world. So that sounds like a really cool book. I mean, that sounds like so many people don't know about our world. Even are you doing anything to kind of like help people in Guyana now or? I would love to be given the opportunity to do more and go back with, with, a, with a real mission to guide and to learn at the same time because the last time I was in Guyana was in uh, the early 90s. Yeah. Um, oh, we so got to go, yeah. Well, I was there, but I was, it was like, I was, I was in my 20s, you know. I mean, I really wanted, I mean, I enjoyed it. I en end up, we were going for a wedding. My cousin got married. Um, and we went for a wedding for like a week. You know, it was supposed to be a week. We had, I ended up staying for a second week, a third week, a fourth week. Sometimes people get sick. You know, it's like how you have like the um, Montezuma revenge, you know. Yes. Uh, oh, my God. It's called the Guyanese, you know, El Dorado revenge. You know, <laughs> if you don't careful, you get, if you have a strong stomach, you might get sick. But I don't think that happens anymore. This was a long time. So most of my family got sick and left. I got sick and stay. I go, you know, what? I'm gonna rough, I'm gonna tough this out, and I'm gonna climb a tree and you know uh, go into the bush and you know just just be a Guyanese, you know, be a be a be a native, you know. And yeah, people would call me. Uh, they would make fun of me because I had this different accent, you know, than Guyanese, which is very broken English, kind of you know West Indian kind of sound. But yeah. it's English, but it's very hard to understand. And I think the only way I was able to understand it because I started speaking it as well, and it came back because I left when I was eight. So yeah, uh, it was quite an amazing um, experience, and I never had the desire to go back until recently. I mean, right before the pandemic, I was talking to my cousin Rudy. I'm like, hey, you know, I want to go back to Guyana, but not as a tourist. I want to do something that is impactful. And yeah, you know, we're working on something which you know, could be could be impactful. So. Let's see. Crossfit. What are you doing to stay healthy and fit these days? Are you working out? What's your What's your workout routine? Oh my God. Well, for me, I, I love I, I love sports. You know, like I, I played basketball growing up. As I got when I got tall, yeah. <laughs> after like high school, like oh wow, do you play basketball? I'm like no, I play cricket. I'm like what is that? You know? <laughs> okay, I'll play basketball. And I I got into it, and I was really religious about it. And then injuries made me stop. And now what I'm loving to do now is I love to play tennis. I'm enjoying connecting with the ball finally and, and getting my form down. So I take lessons and, you know, I like to play when I'm allowed to. I like to play with people better than me so yeah. I can you know, 
feel that competitive edge. If you're if you're worse than me, then I don't want to play with you. I'm sorry. Right. And how do the tennis people, the people feel about playing with you when they're better than you? <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm pretty much like uh, you know endearing, uh, funny person. So I'll yeah. make fun of myself, but I, I'm also very competitive. So I'll, I'll die for the ball and I'll I'll injure myself maybe. But I think uh, it's really for me that's my best. Um, I don't like to run and I hate going to the gym. Although yeah. my girl did get a gym membership <laughs> and I don't really use up as I should. Yeah. You know, I believe in more staying flexible, which yeah. I like being stretched out, and that's that's great. And then I like paddle, which is there's a there's a a controversy if it's paddle or paddle. So I'm gonna just say it either way, mm. and it's a spinoff from like you know squash and tennis. I would say okay, pickleball. These all these new sports are popping is it pickleball up. Pickleball or no? Well, there's there's also pickleball, which is another thing. There's Paddle, which is another, and then it's tennis, and then there's squash. So these right. are four paddle sports. Pickleball yeah. and paddle are two new things that are well, paddle was in um I think it started in Mexico or okay. you know, China somewhere, but it's like a um, you know, it's has it's all these handball, which is another which I love playing growing up in, in Queens. You either played basketball, handball, or football, or baseball. I like basketball and handball because those courts were very close to each other and it was more like you, you can really, I really got into it. So yeah, I mean, moving, moving and movement in, in general, I walk a lot. You know, you know, if you're a New Yorker, you love to walk. If yeah. you're a real New Yorker, you walk a lot. Yeah. Uh, I walk that's everywhere. It. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have like a, a routine. I was like, you know, I was doing yoga, which I enjoy uh, as you get older, like, yeah. like me. Kind of like you want to keep your flexibility and you know, certain things ache more than others, you know. So. Yeah. No. Where do you play tennis? I travel to Miami a lot, so I play there. And okay. then uh, there's a place in Brooklyn for paddle called Paddle House. Okay. You have to go. If you want to play paddle, it's a really cool facility in Williamsburg. Calmness to it. Yeah. That I really, when you're in that world of chaos and nightlife and hustle and bustle, for me, this was the perfect place to live because it was you had the park, you had the, you know, you had a little bit more nature. Yeah. It was great. I, I usually will walk, like, I usually walk everywhere. So it was so great to meet you, Ronnie, and to have you on the podcast. I'm definitely going to get those books. They sound really great. Uh, yeah, good ones. And um, I have to make the list, but I can't even remember them right now. My yeah. head isn't complete. No, we can share. Like, if you want to take a picture of your favorite books, we can put it in, like, on Instagram, like, Ronnie's favorite books or something. When I promote the podcast, I'm going to put it out in January. Yeah, and, um, you know, I'd love to, to check out a pair. I don't really know that I'm, like, your – I mean, I don't really, like, do anything right now to sit in my apartment and record podcasts. I have no – like, I don't go – I'm going to the Tim building. It's not that loud. But I would love to check it out if you want to send a pair over. Oh, if you go to, like, you go to a live show or concert. Um, yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I was and I talked to my brother-in-law before the podcast, and he has like one of the original pairs, Sean. He's a fan, really? yeah. He wow, yeah. yeah. I never get that. Always like surprises me, and I love it. He said he's like he's so cool. <laughs> he's oh, a nice no. guy. That's what he said. He's like you. He's like that's well, I know cool that you're having him on. Yeah, I mean, you kind of like he doesn't like know you, know you, but he knows of you, like. It's like, you know, like the nightlife geography, you know, everybody knows okay. each other, but like, not really. 
<laughs> I like to know everyone. Yeah. That's that's like you yeah. know, I, I want to know who everyone is. That's like my I guess it's like my thing, but I miss it. All- yeah. I like I like miss going out, but like I, I, I miss it. I wouldn't even know where to go now, you know, like and I love EDM. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm. I don't. No, I'm kidding. I actually I like Tiesto. I no, <laughs> I don't like miss Dead going out. Yeah. I don't miss going out. I miss a time when I was going out. Yes. That time, and there were various, you know, decade, uh, every yeah. decade, it was a moment. And when I look at the late '80s and the, and the '90s and early 2000, there were there were moments, some pockets of time there that yeah. were in the era. You know, it was a different and time. It, yeah. But now it's just for me the the your priorities change as you get older, obviously. And yeah, I think um, as we've spoken about yeah. it for the last uh, hours, it's important to really, you know, not uh, lose focus this time because the world is changing so fast and things are moving and everything is just happening and you never know what's going to happen next. You have to make sure that you're staying on on, on path, you know, and, and doing the things the right way. So, yeah. Uh, you know, that takes laser focus. Yes. Well, I am just so glad to have connected with you. I'm so psyched about what you're doing. I wish you so much success with your product. And I think it's going to be, it's a game changer. So. Thank you. Well, go on, buy them because, you know, they're going to save your life. Trust me. Thanks again for tuning into Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.